Welcome to the B2B Mix Show with Elena and Stacy. Each week, we'll bring you ideas that you can implement in your own marketing strategy. We'll share what we know and advice from industry experts who will join us from time to time here on the show. Are you ready to mix it up? Let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Elena Jackson. And this is Stacy Jackson. We are the co-founders of Jackson Marketing. And in case you didn't know, yes, we are sisters. And we're bringing you episode 14 of the B2B Mix Show. Stacy, what is today's episode about? Today, we've got a couple of guests from Blacksmith Applications who are ready to bust the myth that print is dead. So, Elena, why don't you introduce today's guest to our audience? Today is the first for the B2B Mix Show, and we have not one, but two special guests with us today from Blacksmith Applications. Joining us, our Vice President of Marketing, Jennifer Schiffman, and Kate Lenoro's Inbound Marketing Manager. Jennifer's 12-year career spans marketing management roles in consumer packaged goods, science and technology, energy, and now the software as a service industry in her position at Blacksmith Applications. Caitlin has been working in B2B marketing for the past seven years. In her role at Blacksmith Applications, she focuses on content strategy to drive brand awareness and lead generation. The Blacksmith Applications marketing team has increased traffic to their site by more than 600% in just over two years, resulting in hundreds of sales-ready leads. This is a terrific digital marketing accomplishment. However, the meat of today's conversation is about print. If you think print is dead, this team may just change your mind when you hear about the success that they've had through their thought leadership magazine called Smoke Jumpers. Jennifer and Caitlin, welcome to the B2B Mix Show. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. Hi, ladies. Before we dig into the topic of print and the Smoke Jumpers magazines, would you tell our listeners a little bit about Blacksmith Applications, the background, and what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to talk about this. This is such a passion point for us. And one of the reasons that I love working at Blacksmith is because of the ultimate creativity that we're able to bring to the office every day. So Blacksmith, um, when I joined about two years ago, two and a half years ago at this point, Blacksmith didn't have anyone on the marketing staff. So I was, I was number one, Caitlin's number two. And at the time, they were in the process of trying to have some sales folks create a new website. Obviously, that wasn't necessarily constructed with lead generation or demand generation in mind. So we kind of quickly came in, level set a lot of those things and put into place a recipe for how we wanted to drive leads. And um, a lot of that has to do with content strategy, which will lead us into the print conversation today. But Blacksmith sells to, for the most part, fairly large enterprise organizations. We, we operate in mostly the CPG space. So our customers are big CPG manufacturers, Tyson Foods, Kraft Heinz, Unilever, excuse me, General Mills, lots of names that'll probably be familiar to your listeners from the time that they spend grocery shopping every week. So our, our customers are very exciting to work with. There was a huge opportunity for us to grow the marketing organization from scratch when I joined. And that's what we've done. And, and print is definitely a big part of that for us. All right, folks, before we dig into this topic, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. And we are back. 
So can you tell us a little bit about your general content strategy as SaaS marketers? What have you done to move Blacksmith Applications brand forward from a content marketing perspective? Of course. So we mix our content formats. We're always looking at ways to inform our readers and engage them. We focus on SEO, creating content that's easy to find and easy to read. Uh, we distribute on all of our social channels, engaging with the community. For us, it's really just about knowing our audience, meeting them where they are, and taking that 360 approach. And that's why we started print. I know you're using print with the magazine, but what specifically brought about the idea of a magazine? Like when I think of putting together a magazine, I kind of get all anxious, like, oh my gosh, that's huge. What the heck am I thinking? Why would I do this? So did, did you like survey your customers to find out what they felt about print and magazine? Or did you just kind of decide, you know what, let's just try it and see what goes, what happens? So we decided to give it a shot, but it wasn't a completely blind decision. Our team has a lot of experience in the industry. So we're really familiar with the challenges that our customers and our prospects face. And the magazine was a great plan and really a lasting option to put our expertise front and center. And now it's out there. And our first edition was actually sent in March 2018. And we had buy-in from various contributors to be featured in that magazine, which was a really big first step in launching the thought leadership piece. And then once it was on the desks of all these CPG professionals, whether it was a customer or not, we started receiving positive feedback pretty quickly. And now readers have grown to expect these insights and the news and for telling the stories that they really relate to. Yeah. And I would say we kind of just jumped into it, to be honest. I have a love of print. I feel like I think I'm an old school human being in lots of ways. And so I just, I love that feeling of having a physical magazine. Like when you're, when you go on a flight, you know, the time between bring out your laptop and when you sit in your seat and having something to actually hold in your hand, that to me was it's, and it's different. We want to be doing things that are different than what our competition is doing. So a lot of people think print is dead and they stay away from these things and magazine production, it is, it's a lot of work. But that being said, print numbers, while, while they're declining a little bit, when you think about magazines and the consumption of print magazines versus digital consumption, if you actually look at the research, if you look at the numbers, while print is declining slightly in readership, it's still a lot higher than digital consumption for magazines. So we felt like, why not take a chance? We, we like I mentioned, have a ton of free reign to do things that are new, exciting, and different. But we, we had a feeling based on the engagement that we do see with content across the board that this could make a lot of sense. And to Caitlin's point, we've seen that pan out and we've seen that interest level become pretty strong. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like, I'm looking at a computer all day or at my phone. And sometimes you just want to look at something that you can hold and flip through. It makes a huge difference and gives you kind of a, a break from from the usual. So I, I, I can completely see where you're coming from with that. And then, Caitlin, I think it was you that mentioned before that you had some of your clients as thought leaders in the first edition of the magazine. Was that what you said? Yeah. Absolutely. Is that something that you guys have continued where each issue you have something that is from one of your clients that's more of a thought leadership article? Yeah, so we're pretty fortunate. We have um, a lot of internal and external contributors to the magazine. And we have customers that come to us and say, you know, we faced this challenge head on and here's what happened. And 
they're able to tell their story to the masses that way. That's awesome. And that kind of helps you keep things going then too with new content. Yes. The customers are very helpful in helping us figure out what content to push into the issues. As far as your customers and prospects go, I think you mentioned that they really like it. I love it. I'm looking at a copy of it right now. If people listening are thinking this is something they printed on the color printer, no. This is a glossy, real world. Look at it. It's gorgeous. Typography, pictures. It looks great. And I assume you've gotten a lot of great feedback on that too. Yeah, we have. It's an interesting story because neither Caitlin nor I had any experience with magazine creation, editing, uh, production, nothing when we decided to go down this path. So we reached out to a woman who is a project manager at Chief Content Officer Magazine, which is a publication that comes out from the Content Marketing Institute, which I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with. And they put out a, a beautiful magazine. So we spoke with Angela and it was really an informational interview to start out with, but she led us down a path where we ended up using her as a freelance consultant. She helped us to find an editor, which started us off on a process to figure out how exactly were we going to make this repeatable and be able to not just put out one or two of these issues and kind of find ourselves stuck saying, oh, is this sustainable? But we were able to create a sustainable process and it does. It looks really wonderful. We've actually worked with two different printers and we've had high quality production from both of them over the duration of the time that we've been printing the magazine. And another thing, which I think speaks really highly to the the quality of it is our CEO was at a meeting at ConAgra, which is a huge corporation. And they had the magazine there and they asked him what agency does the magazine for us. And he said, we do the magazine. We write the articles. We give, (laughs) Caitlin gives all the creative direction on headlines and the imagery that the designer uses. So we are heavily involved in it. And Angela, our project manager, had mentioned to us recently that she's kind of shocked at how we've actually been able to keep up with it, considering that we reduced significantly the amount of time that we use her and the other third-party folks, with the exception of design. But we do a lot of of this internally now. Caitlin really bears that load. It really is impressive. Before we talk more about how the magazine has evolved, maybe you could cue our listeners in, what does Smoke Jumpers mean? Where did that name come from? So Smoke Jumpers, we actually explain this in the first issue because people who are unfamiliar with the terminology or are unfamiliar with blacksmiths are probably wondering, what the heck does that mean? A smoke jumper, so the strict definition of a smoke jumper is someone who fight forest fires. They actually jump out of planes. They come down and deal with horrific tragedies with regard to forest fires. So they're kind of like Navy Stills in a way. And the name Smoke Jumpers ties back to conferences that Blacksmith has been holding back since 2010. And the concept is that our, our partners in trade management and revenue growth, the customers that we're working with, we're all facing these burning issues. And how are we really going to address this seriously, because it is a real threat in the market for our customers. So the the intention of the magazine is to address those trends, these issues that they're facing, and to help provide them with real valuable ways to uh, increase the effectiveness of both the way they use technology and the way that they generally approach promotions from whether it's a top or bottom line growth perspective. And we have some experience, as you guys know, uh, in the past with some food service, trade promotion management uh, background. And there are some huge fires that happen and some huge things that can come about. So I think that's a a very fitting name to, to give it in this industry. 
So as far as the magazine, how has it evolved over time? The evolution of the magazine has been, it's been a learning experience for us and it has been pretty significant, the evolution. So initially we were doing huge print runs, thousands and thousands of magazines, and we would literally send them to almost anyone in our CRM, salesforce.com, in our database that we thought might be ripe for these insights. But we discovered pretty early on, thankfully, that that was not the most fruitful way to go about it. And even though based on the post office, those addresses were correct and they should have ended up in the right hands, we just found that that they didn't. And I'm sure anyone who has a CRM, if they thought that they would send something to everyone in their CRM, they're probably laughing like, "How, how could you even think that? But we took a chance. We wanted to at least start out with really wide distribution and give people an opportunity to be exposed to the magazine. So not as fruitful as we might have liked to. So we have reduced the print run. We do mostly print now directly for individuals who have specifically subscribe to receive Smoke Jumpers magazine. And then we also print a ton of copies for our sales team, actually. And they really have embraced the magazine more than I think we ever thought would be possible with sometimes sales teams push back on things that they can't immediately connect the dots. So how is this really going to help them? But I think they've seen that customers and prospects really gravitate toward that thought leadership. And it's been um, something where we end up probably printing more copies for them than subscribers, but it makes the rounds that way. So there's been a lot of evolution there. Caitlin, would you add anything to that regarding the evolution of the magazine? I would just add that, you know, it's gone beyond print now and we're when the, we're putting the mag- magazine on a digital platform. I mean, we use something called Bluto to publish the magazine online and it's a gated resource. So if anybody's interested in the content, they can subscribe immediately and get access to it that way. And then we give our sales team some digital PDFs of each article so that they can share that with our customers and prospects as well. The way you plan your editorial calendar for your magazine, does that coincide with other initiatives you're doing or do you have a separate calendar for your magazine alone? How, how do you guys plan that each quarter? Is it a monthly or quarterly? So it's a quarterly magazine and the editorial calendar is sort of always in the back of my mind. I'm a huge content consumer. I just love to read and research and see what's going on in the industry, what's affecting our customers. And that really helps me form the content calendar. We, like I mentioned earlier, we hear from our customers about topics that they're interested in. So we take those into consideration. And then I also take an audit of what's going well online. So looking at social posts and blog posts and resource downloads to see how they're performing and if we can tell any of those stories effectively in a print option. Um, But it's important to remember that with a magazine, you have to know your topics well in advance of the print date. So the most important thing is to make sure that that information, that printing will be relevant once it hits the mail. So it's kind of an always evolving thing. And with the quarterly magazine, our content is due two months before print time. Oh, wow. So you really have to project manage this. It's not like, not that people who only are digital don't project manage, but you can't really turn on a dime if you need to. You have to be very disciplined, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, it, you have to keep a pretty agile approach, be, you know, on a strict timeline to make sure everything's getting hit and developed in the right amount of time. So what does the preparation timeline look f- like for 
you guys when you're getting ready to do the magazine how far in advance you start what are the steps you're taking give listeners an idea of what this really takes so it's a pretty detailed calendar and i have uh the 2019 calendar built out already so that we know exactly what dates we have to hit and we can constantly think about what content to push to which issue so for example we wouldn't want to run anything for the holiday in June, we would want to save that content for a December issue. And it starts off by, I pull our team and our subject matter experts internally, and I find out what kind of content would work. What are customers talking about? What kind of pains are you seeing from prospects? What's going on in the industry? And we pull a big list of content and we start assigning out who would be a great contributor, who might be a good interview, things like that. From that point, you have a month to get your draft in, and then we review it, we edit it for tone and grammar and all that stuff, and then we have a final draft go to an editor for final proof, and that process is finished. So say for the September issue, to be specific, we would pull content ideas in early June, have them ready in mid-July, and then it would be prepped for our designer at the end of July for a September print run. So the content gets ready pretty early and it's really important to think through the process when you're putting it together. And then once the designer has all of the content, she lays it out into the book. Uh, we do a final approval, try to find any spelling errors or last minute mistakes. Then the designer preps it for the printer. It goes to the printer. We have to approve the layout there. From there, the printer gets everything ready. You can do some bulk packaging. So for example, we send some bulk packages to customers who have a bigger team that all want the magazine. It's a bit cheaper to do that. And to our sales team and things like that. Once the printer sends them out, we activate our online publication and then we alert all the digital subscribers that that's live and then it starts hitting the desks as well. So it's a, it's a pretty step-by-step -step approach, but my suggestion for anybody interested in starting a magazine would just be to outline it, be very clear up front of what the deliverables are and assign responsibilities to each step. Do you find it hard to get subject matter experts actually involved in helping you come up with these content ideas and the, or even participating as a writer? Or do you invite them as writers? We do a little bit of both. Um, we'll ghostwrite and talk to these folks and get their input and have it, them approve it and they'll be the byline. And we also get straight interviews with them. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily difficult. A lot of people are that we interview or talk to are receiving the magazine and consumers of our magazine. So um, they're actually really integral, integral in the diversifying our content and, you know, making us the subject matter experts and, you know, putting everything out there. Yeah. I, I would add to that by saying that only assign article writing to individuals that you are 100% will write their articles. So the interview style to get those thought leaders to contribute content is definitely the way to go. Caitlin will schedule interviews with subject matter experts internally. She's also well-connected and networked within our industry space. So she'll reach out to folks that she knows or has seen our writer talking about a topic that's timely and relevant. And we won't ask them to write a piece. We will interview them. We'll ask them to send us some, maybe some resource materials that we can use as a starting point, And then we'll volley back and forth on those articles. But we don't have a process whereby we assign individuals who are not normally part of the magazine writing process and ask and give them a deadline and say, hey, we need your, we need your piece by July 1st. So 
I think that controlling as much of the writing as you can as professionally with as much project management around it as possible is definitely the best way to go. I would agree, especially if you're talking with technical SMEs, because they can put things in terms that the regular person can't understand. And so (laughs) doing those interview type style uh, articles would really help make sure that the writing style fits who's reading it and they can communicate it clearly. That's absolutely right. And I am incredibly proud of the writing style that we have in the magazine. Maybe I'm a little bit of a snob in this regard, but I've, I've worked with actual magazine writers, newspaper writers in my past marketing life. And I've seen how brilliantly they can pull together content and the way that it sounds like you're talking. When you read the articles, we want reading the articles to feel like a conversation. We don't want reading the articles to feel academic or, you know, like these are not robot articles. These need to have personality and life and interest and humor and curiosity. And so we take our writing style very seriously. And that is something that our editor who has taken a step back in her involvement with the magazine, but is still involved. She does the very last edit instead of contributing content like she did originally. But she has, she gave us a really great playing field to start on in terms of how we want that voice and tone to be. And I think that that's something that we, we don't compromise. If, if we have contributions that don't play, that don't play into that voice and tone, we make the changes because it is so important for consistency purposes, but also for engagement purposes. Because when someone's reading it, it needs to capture their attention or they're going to put the magazine down. And it's a bigger investment than just posting on a blog. So you want it to be right and beautiful and wonderful. (laughs) Absolutely. I think you mentioned earlier how much the sales team likes the magazine and using it. There's always a lot of buzz about sales enablement and sales enablement content. Are there ways that they're using the print versus the PDF versions differently? I assume maybe trade show versus email. Are there any insights or information you could share on that? So I feel like we kind of are, um, it's like guerrilla warfare with the magazines, with the sales team to some degree. They take them everywhere they go. They will leave them in the lobbies of corporate offices that they visit and um, yeah, (laughs) kind of distribute them in a bit of a wily manner. But they, I will say, as I had mentioned before, there was some apprehension around the magazine and the decision to go forward with the magazine, specifically related to the print side of it. I don't think that the sales team was thinking quite as much about the digital execution, but they were thinking, how is this going to be something we're going to use? You crazy marketers who just want to do this magazine for fun. It's not going to be relevant to us. It's just a pet project. And our uh, CRO, our chief revenue officer mentioned the other day that he was dead wrong. He said, I take back everything I said, all my apprehension about that magazine. We love this magazine. And the reason that they love it so much is because it demonstrates that we are very knowledgeable in our space. So I know you ladies actually know, as you mentioned, quite a bit about the space of trade management. And we are in both food service and on the retail CPG side because we've had some acquisitions since I started and our business has grown and evolved. The individuals making business decisions about trade promotion management software, if you can't speak the same language they do, quickly you become a non-contender. You are not going to be part of that conversation. So for our sales team to be able to demonstrate that 
not only do we really understand the industry, but we understand it enough to put out a magazine on a quarterly basis with stories about customers and industry insights along the lines of trade and technology. That makes it really believable that we will be able to help them solve their business problems through our SaaS application. And I know that that answer is kind of fuzzy, but it's very tangible, but it is also very fuzzy. And and they are, as we mentioned, able to take different cut out pieces of the magazine. There's lots of buzz around just general content strategy where you create these pillar pieces and then you take bunch, a bunch of nuggets from that and you distribute them in all, all types of manners. And we do that to some degree. So we have specific PDF files for the case studies and the content from the magazine that would be more sales ready. So if our BBRs are reaching out to leads that they have in their queue and they know that either the size of that company matches the size of a company we've told a story about, or they think that based on what they've heard so far about the company, this might resonate with them from the magazine. They can send them to subscribe to the magazine. They can send them the PDF itself. We drive, as Caitlin mentioned, a lot of social traffic through to the magazine. It's a gated resource, and we try to drum up more leads by having it gated to be able to acquire individual contact information that we can push through and nurture. So it's been very well received on all fronts for that reason. So it comes across in trade shows, in the mail, for meetings. It's very widely distributed through their various sales activities and tactics. Do you do any paid or social promotion to grow those subscribers? Right now, we are not doing any paid activities to grow the subscription base. We do post about the magazine frequently through primarily LinkedIn, but Caitlin can talk more about the way that we drive traffic to the magazine through all social channels. Sure. So mostly the magazine's promoted on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, and typically we generate leads just by letting a sneak peek into the content. For example, we might have a blog post that teases the introduction of a story, and if you want to read more, you download the magazine. So then we have your contact information to um, start nurturing you that way. And the growth of the magazine has been 100% organic. Wow, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) And what would you say to some to a company that is maybe toying around with the idea considering a magazine? And are there any big lessons learned that you can share with them? So in terms of folks that might be considering a magazine, I would say be prepared for that resistance. Be prepared for individuals within your organization to think you're a little bit nuts. If you believe that a magazine is going to be effective for you, have a reason for why that is. So as I mentioned, we really knew that demonstrating the thought leadership, the insights, the knowledge of our target audience and being able to demonstrate to them that we can solve their business problems And that we're not just a software company. We are a software company that has tons of domain expertise. And we don't just say that, but we have to demonstrate it. A magazine is a great way for us to execute against that thought leadership platform that we have. We also know that our buyers, a lot of the activity takes place offline. I wish that wasn't the case, but... When we look at our keyword search term volume and things like that, the, the activity online is important, but a lot of word of mouth, a lot of referrals. The magazine's kind of like a walking word of mouth referral. So it's made sense for us strategically based on our buyer's behavior and what we know and want to demonstrate in our market. But it is, it's just one component. It's really, I think about it as being, we're kind of baking this cake and the magazine is the flower and then the, you know, the SEO approach is an egg. And it's going to take a lot of ingredients to really make this 
perfect marketing picture, this perfect cake that we're trying to bake to get it out there because not you can't just be one and done on the tactics and approaches specifically for our business to be able to grow against the goals that we have. So that's some, that's some advice that I would give. Caitlin, what would you say? Yeah, I think I would echo everything that Jen has said. Um, we really just try to line these pages with evidence that we want to help that all trades spend professionals. We want to help streamline their process and make them more profitable in that department. And I would just say, if you were to embark on the journey of print, know your deadlines and communicate often with your team and the contributors, work ahead, be thorough, be thoughtful, be agile. But mostly though, it, it can be worth taking a chance on something that folks say is a dead thing. So there you have it, listeners. The power of print still lives on. And when you give it thought and creativity and discipline, you can be successful. If nothing else, we hope today's episode prompts you to think of ways to reach customers that help you stand apart from the crowd. Jennifer and Caitlin, if listeners have questions or want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? We're Caitlin and I are both on LinkedIn, so you can find us as employees at Blacksmith Applications. Definitely look us up there and shoot us some some messages because as the marketers we are, we are frequently checking our, our LinkedIn accounts. And we'll include that in the show notes so that there's a link to your LinkedIn account. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. We appreciate it and you sharing your expertise and time with us. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for having us. This was it was fun to it was fun to participate. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. All right, Elena, end of another great episode. Why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with us? There are multiple ways you can get in touch with us. And the first one is Twitter. You can reach Stacy at Stacy underscore Jax. That's S-T-A-C-Y underscore J-A-X. Or you can reach me at Elena underscore Jax. A-L-A-N-N-A underscore J-A-X. And if you prefer, you can catch us on LinkedIn instead. Just look up our names, Stacy Jackson, Elena Jackson. And don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail on the Anchor mobile app. We might use your voicemail on next week's show. So thanks, everybody, for listening in. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. The B2B Mix Show is hosted by Stacy Jackson and Elena Jackson of, you guessed it, Jackson Marketing. If you need help with your B2B inbound marketing efforts, visit us at jacksonmarketingservices.com.